I want to talk today uh, about um, baptism and ask the question, is it really necessary? Now, again, I think that most people here know the answer to that, uh, but it's still a question worth asking because uh, of people who we might, I guess, debate with sometimes, uh, visitors who are here who are considering it, um, because uh, I suppose something that is very different about our fellowship that people soon notice is that we're not uh, like a, um, a church where you come and you just make it uh, a comfortable lifestyle that you do occasionally and take it or leave it, it's a nice place to be, nice people, um, etc., um, and don't actually make any move towards the Lord. And our way that we've, most of us here today have understood is that we're here because we've made a move towards the Lord and that's what keeps us here. And, um, and that's, I guess, why we hear testimonies like we've just heard because people have made a move towards the Lord and then we hear these wonderful healings that you know Benji was only sort of uh, touching on a couple there that have probably got a great story to them. Pastor Chaz mentioned a great story of his. and um, But those things come when we actually, so to speak, jump in the deep end and when we decide, I want to be a part of this. I really want to know the Lord. And part of that is water baptism. And um, I want to perhaps just look at some scriptures to show us in the New Testament. And just by the way, water baptism was never part of the Old Testament. So if you go looking for it there, you won't find it because it wasn't part of the way that God dealt with people back then. But in the New Testament, it certainly is part from the very beginning. And we'll turn to Matthew chapter 3 and have a look um, here at it. Now, I suppose that um, some of the things that do come up these days about water baptism um, in other churches I might touch on as well but I'd really like to look at what the scriptures point out because after all this is what God has left us uh, his book I heard a story about a uh, one of our brothers recently who as he was growing up realized that he was uh, doing a lot of studying at school and for work and read many things and realized that he'd been given God's book and hadn't read much of it and so he started to really get into reading it and it's done him the world of good and now he absolutely loves his bible and loves uh, cross-referencing things that are in it and so here we are we've been given a very special book that god made sure was written for us so this is where we want to refer and if you're new here today we want you to check us against our bible what we say if you're saying anything wrong you come tell us afterwards and we'll We'll uh, make sure that we've... Uh, I, I don't think we are saying anything wrong, but we just want to make sure we're not. So chapter 3 of, uh, of Matthew, and it says here um, about John the Baptist. Uh, For this is he that was spoken of um, by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So this is John the Baptist. That was his... Uh, that's how people knew him, John the Baptizer. That was his, his main mission that he came to do and the, the title that he's given here. 
In verse 4, And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins and his meat was locusts and wild honey. He was a man of the bush. <laughs> you sort of try and picture what he looked like. He, uh, he was obviously a real character. And in verse 5, Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, the, the, the local religious groups, come to his baptism, he said to them, O generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Now, I'm not sure these days if you're supposed to say that type of thing to people because uh, it might upset them and it might be called verbal abuse. Um, but he, uh, he called a spade a spade. And this was about don't pretend in front of God. You're dealing with your maker here. And, and so in verse 8 he says, Bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance. So if you're really serious about baptism, it goes together with repentance. It's uh, The attitude behind water baptism is not that you do it because of your parents or because of tradition or that it's done for you as a baby by somebody else because there's, a, there's an attitude that goes together with it and this attitude is one of repentance, is that I actually want to leave my old life behind. I want to change it. I want to bury it. And he said, if you come sort of professing who you are as somebody special, that's not coming saying, I want to bury something. But if we come with an attitude of, how can God change my life? Then we come with the right attitude for baptism to say, okay, show me the way, show me how. And usually that step is a really easy one. When, when we're at a point of really wanting things to change, baptism is a piece of cake. And it, it's, not the, it's not the literal act of baptism. I mean, we, we can sort of get the warm water happening. We can get the baptism bath happening, or tank as we usually refer to it. I don't know why we call it a tank. I think it's because once upon a time, mostly we had corrugated iron um, tanks. They were like a rainwater tank. Um, and um, not for drinking, but for getting baptized in. Cut down versions. Now we've got a fiberglass one here, but uh, it's still called a tank. But we can get all that ready, and we have got it ready. But there's, there's only one thing that actually gets in the way of being able to be baptized, and it's what's going on here and here. And that becomes the biggest obstacle because uh, of are we coming to God saying, I'm, I'm okay as I am? We will find baptism impossible. It will just, it'll get stuck in our craw because why should I? Why do I have to? I believe I don't have to do anything like that. And pride is the one thing that can get in, in our way. But if we really want our life to change, like I say, it'll be a piece of cake uh, to, to make the move. Um, let's look in verse 13. Maybe a um, question that we might ask is how to get baptized. So in verse 13, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me. And Jesus answering said to him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. 
And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, um, you may not get that voice when you get baptized from heaven, but we'll talk about something else a little later. But certainly for Jesus, this is the way that it went. And um, just little things that the Bible gives us as a bit of an indicator. In verse 16, it says, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. It gives us a clue to what it looked like, what baptism looked like. So first of all, we got John the Baptist at a river. So there's plenty of water. And the, um, the whole understanding of, uh, of baptism is, has been changed in um, modern times. And I might just quote something here uh, that describes it. Um, if you look up in a dictionary, Baptism, the Christian religious rite of sprinkling water onto a person's forehead or immersing them in water, symbolizing purification or regeneration and admission to the Christian church. In many denominations, baptism is performed on young children and is accompanied by name-giving. Um, now, I've got here just a copy from a... Um, uh, what's called the, the, I think, I, I don't know the full name of this, but the vines, some people would know of a, of a book that you can look up Greek words that are in the Bible and it'll give you an, an accurate description. So the word for baptism in the Bible before it was changed into modern usage, um, it talks here, uh, consisting, uh, of the process of immersion, submersion, and emergence. So that's the, the, um, the degree of uh, variation is it's all about going underwater and coming back out again. Um, it also says here, um, the Greeks used it to the word also, uh, the word baptizo, to signify the dying of a garment. Not a lot of... Any ladies do that still? Dying a garment? Who's had a go at that in recent times? Oh, yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, I haven't seen it done for a while, but I take it if you want to dye the whole garment, you put the whole garment in the water, in the coloured water that you want. Um, it's also the drawing of water by dipping a vessel into another. So you've got a container of water, you've got a cup, you put it down in there and you, to, to get the cup full, if you want it full. Um, and I just had a little picture, I suppose, in my mind too because of the interest of late, the sad story about the Titanic. But um, one of the other references about this word submerge is like a ship that is going down and it's filled with water and it goes to the bottom. That's, uh, so as we see these pictures of the Titanic four kilometres down, it's history. That's how God sees baptism, is that our old life is like the Titanic, never to rise again. It's down there and we've said goodbye to it. So here, when Jesus comes up out of the water, so he's been baptized, he comes up out of the water. That's the picture that the Lord is trying to give us. Now, it's not as deadly as the Titanic because we will rise again, and, and as Jesus did here. So a little bit of a picture to say how it should look. 
Um, let's just go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is the blueprint for the first church. And it tells us uh, on this day how the Holy Spirit first came to people. And uh, it's a very exciting story. And how many people saw what happened and they wanted to know. And they gathered around asking questions and they were very convicted. And in verse 37, we often read from here, but I will again. It says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So there's a package here. So we've heard already about John the Baptist saying, come with repentance. We've seen how Jesus was baptized. And just by the way, if Jesus ever wanted to set the example that it was sprinkling, it could have been done when he was brought into the temple as a child, but it wasn't done. It could have been done by John the Baptist, and you will see some diagrams in Christian circles of Jesus with John the Baptist pouring a bit of water over his head. He's sort of standing in the water and decides to do it like that. And, and those sort of stories are out there. But that's, but if, if Jesus wanted that to be the message, he would have made it abundantly clear. But here on this particular day, the disciples know how it's done because they had done some baptizing with Jesus themselves. We read of that earlier. And it's, and so Peter then very clearly says, I know how it has to be done. Repentance, baptism, and guess what? This wonderful experience is going to come to you when you do that of receiving the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, this gift that God had promised. And what a wonderful thing that is for a new life then to begin. And that's, that's the, the essence of this here is dying and starting again. That's, uh, that's what the Lord's wanting to give us is a second chance at life. Um, Acts chapter 9. And who hasn't wanted a second chance at life? I think a lot of people have wanted to say, oh, if only I could rub out some of the things that have happened to me or some of the things that I've done, I'd just love to be able to rub it out and, and start again. And, and the Lord knows that about us. So who can be baptised? Let's have a little look here at a uh, little bit about the story of Saul in chapter 9 and verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. So this, this Saul, who later is called Paul, is a complete, enemy of the gospel now some of us sitting here might have once been of that mind we might have taken people to prison but we're just not interested in being christians that was the last thing on our list and so we're in, in our hearts in a similar way here to saul but then something happens to saul where the lord sort of stops him and you can read the story later but i i just want to read about what happens after the Lord has stopped him, and in fact, uh, he was blinded along the road. And eventually a, a brother in the Lord uh, has a bit of time with him and, um, and the Lord is actually trying to convince this brother to spend time with Saul because Saul just looks like an enemy. And in verse uh, 13, 
Then Ananias answered the Lord, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he has done to thy saints at Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel, for I will show unto him great things he must suffer for my name's sake. So it doesn't matter who we are. The Lord says, I want to call you. I've, I, I actually see you as being a chosen vessel to, to, in a sense, change sides, not to fight against me, but to work with me. And in verse 17, And Ananias went his way, entered into the house, and putting his hands on Saul, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes, as it had been, scales, and he received sight forthwith, and arose and was baptised. So this practice continued through the church. This is, this is some years later. This is not just John the Baptist, Jesus, beginning of the church, but some years down the track, they're still hanging on to this practice. It's important to them. And, and, and it really is saying that all who have sinned, God wants to give it to you. He wants to give you his, his blessing via um, this method. Let's go to uh, chapter 16. When should we do it? There's a story here now of a converted soul called Paul, and he's been thrown in jail for the gospel, as the Lord did say to him would happen. And, um, and while he was in jail, there was a miracle that happened, and um, there was an earthquake, and all of a sudden all the prisoners were set free, and the jailer was going to kill himself. Um, we'll pick that story up in verse 27. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, must have been a long shift, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He was really affected by their be just the way that God had looked after them and the way they'd behaved. And in verse 31, and they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Now, modern churches would stop there. That would be it. You are now a Christian because you've believed on the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, etc. But it's not where the Bible stops. And this is our reference. And we, we, it's, we really don't have the right to start um, cutting things out and saying, I don't like that one, I'll delete that one, because it's God's word. And in verse 32, And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. So they went into more detail. And in verse 33, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his, straight away. When should we get baptized? Soon as we're convicted. Don't let it pass. Because 
We might find ourselves, we walk away from the opportunity and all of a sudden other people are in our ear and saying, don't do it. Don't do it. You know, you're going crazy. Or, uh, you know, are they a, a, a wacky group? Well, we are wacky sometimes, but, but uh, we've got to have some fun sometimes. But we, we love the word of God and we love the truth and we want to, we want to stick by it. And so, so there was no, there was no course here. You know, sign up for a course and we'll take you through four weeks or four months of learning what it is. I think with some groups, it's 12 months. You have to go and study with them before they will allow you to, to, to be baptized because you know enough. But that's again, not what the Bible says. The Bible shows that as soon as people had a repentant heart and they believed, let's do it now. Let's find an opportunity to do something about it. I'm just uh, looking at Sister Kathy, who's in our meeting here today, Kathy Hocking, and I seem to remember that we baptized you at the Marion Swimming Pool. Have I got that right? Yeah. So one of those many nights we've had at the Marion Swimming Centre, and there was Kathy interested, and uh, we went into the smaller pool, my memory of it, not the big one, and, uh, and we baptized her there and then. And here she is many years later, still happy with her experience and, and, and what happened to her because she was willing to, to act with what her heart and her mind were telling her. That the things that she'd seen and things that she'd heard had made uh, such a difference to her. And, um, and praise the Lord for people who will do that. We, um, uh, one very special night we had, I was reminded of recently, um, I don't know how many people here remember Shirley Ridgway, but she was at the Vogue and for many, many years. She, I think she died in her 90s and uh, a very faithful sister. And, and at the end of her, her years, she, she was very bent over. And some of you may remember, she was sort of, sort of like, like that, really. And she would witness sideways. <laughs> like she would, she would talk to anybody about the Lord in whatever way she could. And I remember one night um, she had people, uh, even, I don't know if she was that old, she's certainly in her 80s, we were invited to her home one night and she had students stay with her, Asian students. And uh, I can't remember if these were Korean or Chinese, um, but there was, um, uh, so what, it, what, the ones that were there that night was um, a man who she had, had stay with her many, many years ago uh, and his wife uh, and his daughter who was now staying there. So she'd been doing for that many years. They'd come across and they would study here. And so we all, a bunch of us in the kitchen there, um, enjoying the food and the, the chat and so on. And we ended up talking to the man's wife who had never uh, heard much about the gospel, but she got very interested and it was all being done through translation. And anyway, we ended up in the lounge room praying with her to receive the Holy Spirit, which she did, and uh, spoke in tongues fluently. And while we were there, we thought, well, she's going home, let's say China. She's going home to China shortly. We've got to think about water baptism. So we started talking to her about water baptism. And Shirley, in her wonderful uh, ladylike way, she just uh, 
appeared in the passage and she had um, some bathers and a towel hanging over her arm. And we're trying to do the persuading, but Shirley's got this and the bath running. And it had more effect than anything that we said. And this lady just went and got baptized that night, you know, and no waiting, no delay. She was convicted at that moment, and it was at that moment she needed to make the move before that moment was lost, and praise the Lord that she did. Um, let's go to uh, Romans chapter 6. I remember another one uh, that we had many years ago. I don't know how many were involved with the, um, uh, the Gulwa Folk Festival. Gulwa Folk Festival, we, we took a, our marquee down there many years ago, down to Gulwa, and uh, it was a very interesting weekend. We had uh, a prophecy display in our tent, and um, there was uh, yeah a lot of things going on in the other tents. Um, there was a fair bit of uh, um, yeah alcohol flowing, if I can put it that way. And I think the tent next to us uh, had a... I think they were enjoying... Um, smoking something and uh, they had a they had a, a, a teepee there an Indian teepee and drums going um, quite a lot of the time so it was a very interesting weekend but in the middle of all of that um, David Wright who some may know who's uh, over in the central coast these days he wandered in and had a listen to what we had now we just stood out so different you can imagine in this sort of very free-flowing cultural environment and here we are with a Bible prophecy display. Uh, but some people came in and uh, anyway, David was very interested in the gospel and we, uh, one of our sisters was staying uh, down at Gore, I think in her auntie's place and we used the bath in the auntie's place to go and do, I think we had two baptisms down there and uh, I think the other guy, I'm not sure if it was David or the other guy, but somebody had these long dreadlocks and uh, it, was, uh, it was that sort of a scene. But David's a very changed man and very happy that he got baptised that day. So uh, Romans chapter 6, let's just have a little look here. Verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptised into Jesus Christ were baptised into his death. Now, this is a huge significance. If this, if, if this act of baptism is omitted because all you have to do is believe, then this sentence and this chapter makes no sense at all. What it's telling us here is in the, in the, the offering of Christ that we don't have to die and and for our, for us to have the effect of the cross, all we have to do is get in a bath of water. I'd choose a bath of water over the cross any day. And that's all he's asking of us. He's not asking us to go to the cross. He's just saying, will you get baptized? And with that, die with me. Will you do that? That's his request to us. And in verse 4, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now, the, the fact that he's put these promises into place and then people want to make light of it and say it doesn't matter, you just put a little bit of water on your head 
or you, 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 the priest dips his finger and he puts a sign of a cross on your head with some holy water. And the, the lack of effort and belief in what Jesus did by going to the cross and saying, I'll, I'll connect with you through water baptism, and then they say, can't be bothered. Can't be bothered. Or they decide that all you have to do is not even do that, just give your heart to the Lord. It's pathetic, isn't it? When you think about it, you know, when, when we're looking at his word, and, and we don't mean this towards individuals who've been taken in, because many of us got taken in too by these sort of teachings. We just uh, uh, are saying to, to people, be careful what you've been taught. What, what you've been taught by tradition, what you've been taught by your church, what maybe even you've been taught by your family. Check with the Word of God because in the end of the day, when, when we are judged, it won't be our family judging us. They might make judgments on you now, but they won't be making judgments on that day because they'll be judged as well by the same book. And, and so what we want to do is free ourselves of judgment and this is the way we free ourselves is we say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? And, and we, we bury our old life and all of a sudden there's this sense of relief and some people actually feel it physically when they're baptised. They just feel like a load goes off their shoulders because they've just done what, what you know, maybe for the first time in their life, I've done something God wanted me to do. And, and it's a, a tremendous feeling for them to have that. But even if it doesn't happen to you, that feeling sort of right there and then, it will happen because this sense of freedom is all part of being joined to the Lord. And whether it's at that moment or whether it's when we receive the Holy Spirit or whether it's when we start walking with the Lord, God wants us to feel free, like we don't owe anybody anymore. We might have wronged people. We might have done whatever. We don't owe any people anymore. Now, we might try to think, well, how do I rectify some of the things I've done? Well, the best way to rectify anything is a changed life. Who can argue with a changed life? You know, you can go up to somebody and you can say, I'm sorry for that, but if you go and do it again, well, what's the point? But if it's a changed life and you can say, look, I'm sorry for what happened, but it's amazing what God's done for me now. And maybe sometimes we can repay them by giving them the opportunity to come and get saved. And that's the greatest way we could ever repay anybody, really. Um, let's look at John chapter 3. I, I could stay in Romans 6 for a long time. It, it's a wonderful chapter, and it really is about separation between us and our old life, separation between us and the world, and, and now to be uh, um, living a life with Christ. John chapter 3, and just a couple of phrases here. Um, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, a religious man. And um, it's interesting, he doesn't get all theological with him. You know, some people love to get theological and tear apart the Greek and the Hebrew and dig deep, you know, in all sorts of things. But we, we might just, perhaps we'll go to the beginning, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, 
Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus knew all the intricacies of the Old Testament law and he could have debated till the, you know, forever and shown him up in the Old Testament law. But he just said one simple thing. If you're not born again, Nicodemus, this conversation won't go anywhere. You just will not understand. And how often do we see it? You know, that we talk with religious people and they want to argue about all sorts of things. And you say, would you like to have some prayer to receive the Holy Spirit? That's the tester. Or would you like to get baptized? Maybe they've already been baptized and they, they, they might sort of say, oh, I've already been baptized and we can challenge them with have you received the Holy Spirit. And, and that's when our eyes get opened. And in verse um, 4, Nicodemus saith to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. They are a matching pair, water baptism and receiving the Holy Spirit. There used to be an old song. I'm going way back now. I'm sure it's before my time. Love and marriage go together like a horse and carriage. Now, I don't think it goes like that anymore. People don't see those two things going together, but that is the way they work the best. And this is a pair, a working pair like that. Baptism and the Holy Spirit go together, not one without the other. And, it's, and so that's the intention that God makes very clear here. So we will make a way. Colin's sitting up the back there at the moment. He's been driving to Perilla with the crew that have been going there and enjoying themselves. We've got, uh, I think, five have been baptized from there as far as I've got my figures right. And there was already one baptized in Spiritfield, I think, from PNG, if I've got that right. But anyway, you can correct me later. Um, and uh, Colin's had his hot water service on board and his, his uh, way of uh, getting the baptism tank organized. And um, so we'll find a way, even in a, in a remote spot like that. I love what's happening at Perilla. It reminds me of, of Philip, Philip and the Ethiopian, you know, out in the middle of nowhere. All of a sudden, we've got this revival happening. And the Lord's saying, I want you to pay attention. We heard it in the gifts earlier. When I call you here, I've, I'm calling you to Perilla. There's people there that are, that are asking. And, and right now, we've actually got a lot of our people away. We've got... Uh, We've got brothers and sisters in Vanuatu, Solomon Islands, who are seeing a lot happen. I've had a message from Pastor Chris about uh, all the baptisms that they've been having uh, in the Solomon Islands, and it's all very exciting. But we, we want to do what it says here in the Word of God. Um, let's um, look at something to finish on. Um, I might just look at Acts chapter 8, That's that little story about the eunuch. Verse 27. And Philip arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah the prophet. How often do you get a chance like that? Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, 
so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet that, of this, of himself or of some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And, they, and as they went on their way, they came to a certain water. And the eunuch said, Here is water. What does hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water. Here we go again. They went down both into the water, uh, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And here we are, the pattern, the same pattern. We've got somebody who, it, it says in verse 35, he preached to him Jesus. And somehow out of preaching to him Jesus, the eunuch says, I need to be baptized. What was it he said when he was preaching Jesus that made him want to be baptized? Because he was preaching the whole word. You know, people want to leave so much out about the story of Jesus. And, and we've just read it. We've seen it for ourselves. And, and, and it's up to us to hold true to the gospel that's been given to us so that people will have a chance to consider the facts. Because if they don't, they're not given the facts, they can't consider it. If they're just given a small little piece um, out of the word of God, then they don't get all the facts. And, and, and here we are with stories like this just to make it clear. Today, if you haven't been baptized, we are ready for you. Um, behind the curtain here, there's change rooms. I was talking to somebody the other day in the early days of Wyala. Um, the, the baptism tank apparently used to be out in the audience and people would get changed. I remember seeing it. And they would walk out in their bathing gown out to the, the baptism tank out the front. And uh, it was probably pretty humbling. But like I say, when you want to do it, it's easy. Now, we've got a curtain. You can go and get in the baptism tank privately. But then uh, we want to be with you and pray with you and just watch you get baptized. And then the curtain closes and, and we have prayer. But here's your chance today, and uh, we hope that the Word of God will convict you more than anything that we might say, that you just uh, see that it's what God wants. All the people said. Mm -hmm.